0: Hey everyone, and welcome to this Thursday stream. I'm glad that you could join me tonight. Uh, I do want to go ahead and start off by letting you know that I don't think tonight's show is going to be as long as usual. Um, it's just been a really long, crappy day uh, for me, and so I was going to cancel, but then I decided to just go ahead and kind of come on and at least talk with you guys for a little while. So, I'm just kind of giving you that forewarning, so if I end up ending after 30 or 45 minutes or something, uh, you know, you're not just horribly disappointed. Okay, uh, so in any case, I do want to start off though, because I, I heard about Ezra Levant and him being denied a mortgage. Now, if you don't know who Ezra is, I mean, you may not be familiar with his name, but probably his face and certainly his work. Uh, Rebel News, which is what he runs uh, over in Canada, is basically like the only conservative leaning um, show over there. It's the only conservative leaning network, rather, that Canadians have, because They're all, all of the different options that Canadians have are absolutely awful. And they're all government funded. This is something that happened in a big way a couple of years ago where the government, Trudeau's government that is, basically bribed the different media houses and said if you want the government money then you have to be accurate and we'll determine what accuracy is. And they all kind of took the money, right? And Ezra and Rebel News did not. And as such they've been facing various different types of persecution. Uh, for some time now and now the in the latest kind of I would say round of that Ezra has been denied a mortgage by his bank and this was the Royal Bank of Canada that told him that because of his um, outspokenness and his political activism and political opinions uh, that they weren't interested in giving him a mortgage and that's kind of like the next level in censorship you might say because I mean look I know that this is in Canada, and so there are always going to be some people who are going to hey, go, it wouldn't happen here, but let's be honest, it already we're already, already almost there. And this is one of the topics that so few people are talking about, despite just kind of how important it is, because I don't think it gets more important than the sort of financial uh, censorship that's going on that's used to prevent people from being willing to speak out publicly. So for example, right, right here, you've got Ezra and his mortgage, but if you come over back to the US, what, Gabba's lost, I think, six, I think, bank accounts? And no, it's not just major banks like Chase, although Chase is notorious at this point for uh, shutting down bank accounts um, of different people, like there was uh, the Proud Boys chairman uh, who, they, who they did that to, there was um, what's her name? Whiskey uh, and all of those. I mean, it's just like they just kind of send these messages to people, shut down their bank accounts, and then say, "Well, we'll send you a check in the mail, and you'll just have to kind of deal with it." It's like uh, that's not the way it's supposed to work, but that's the the modern new system. And so, this sort of cutting off somebody for his from getting a mortgage is the next step in that. And I think it is meant to send a kind of threat to others that if you speak out too much if you threaten the government too much if you're on the right don't think that your financial status is secured don't think that you can kind of i hate to say get away with it but that's that's the sort of leftist version right is don't think you can get away with having those opinions and still being able to feed your family and or house your children because that's the sort of direction, and and this is why it, it kind of surprises me that so few people on the right, who aren't personally affected by it yet, are speaking out. Because it's like, this should be the number one topic. Like Yes, everyone talks about censorship, and is talking about Twitter and Facebook and stuff, and uh, okay... You can switch social networks. I know know there are problems with that. I realize that there are big audiences. I realize that they're government-funded operations, and they would never become monopolies without that. I realize all of that. But doesn't get more important than having a bank account, than having credit card processing in an age at which we're headed toward – a cashless society, and this has the, the, been the push for some time, right? that we have to get rid of cash for one reason or another. The most recent reason, of course, has been we have to fight COVID and somehow, if you remove cash from the equation, we're fighting COVID. It doesn't make any sense, but nobody cares, and that's the case for most COVID restrictions anyway. But this has been the sort of direction that they've been pushing for some time, and if we do head toward a cashless society, it gives the, I'm just going to say globalists, enormous power almost unlimited power, right, uh, to sh- shut people down, to prevent them from being able to make a living, to prevent them from being able to purchase, um, just at the at the whims of a bank, at the whims of a government, at the whims of the credit card central processor. And what I mean by that is like Visa and MasterCard. These are the sort of central companies that all banks use, right? No matter where you bank, no matter how small the credit union, you get the card that you use to access that money and it'll say visa or mastercard on it and that's only two companies that's only like and and both of them have been involved in one way or another especially mastercard in 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 censorship already and so that's the sort of dire situation we're in and so this should be something that everyone is talking about all the time and when we're talking about censorship this is it and now you've got a guy who is having trouble because of his fairly Um, middle of the road from what I think, you know, uh, he's fairly mainstream, uh, conservative ideas. So at that point where you've got somebody who's getting denied a mortgage for fairly mainstream ideas, I mean, so what about the smaller people who perhaps aren't as mainstream and yeah, I'll defend their right too, to have mortgages and to transact and to purchase groceries, right? And so a few people won't. Most of the time what you have is like somebody is further right than you are or something, and so everybody will refuse to defend their right to exist and their right to bank and their right to to speak because that's not the opinions that I have and I don't want somebody to call me a Nazi and all of that. People need to get rid of that because at this point in time we we have to accept that the the future will be made up of people who are willing to defend what is right, um, and that is all. The people who are willing to speak about what is right, and that is all. Now, hold on. <clears throat> uh, exactly what happened to Red Ice? Yeah, well, a lot of the um, further right uh, sources have had this happen, and people have just been quiet. And you know, it's and uh, it's the same way with Gab, and this is some that's, that's the reason that it hasn't gotten more exposure in relation to Gab is it's associated. Um, thanks to the media, with being a a far-right platform because it allows people to say whatever they want to say up to the limits of US law, right? And so because of that reputation created by the left, people who describe themselves as being on the right, describe themselves as being conservative or traditionalist or what have you, have been unwilling to speak out and say, hey, we've got a problem here and it's escalating. And they're not going to say anything until it starts to, you know, affect the Ben Shapiros of this world, which it won't. Um, the cashless society will be evil. Yeah, I mean, it's just a totalitarian hell. And, I mean, that's that's what you see. You see the push toward that by everybody who's evil. And by, like, the Chinese government and stuff. They're like, they really want to kind of go in that direction. And it's no wonder. It gives them absolute power. Um, Okay. Uh, I do want to, let's go ahead and move on. It's because speaking of China, uh, you might be familiar with the fact that at the University of Hong Kong, for some time, there's been a Tiananmen Square monument. It's called the Pillar of Shame. And it's a statue that depicts 50 like torn, twisted, like contorted bodies all together. And it's just to symbolize those who died uh, in that. You wanna call it a government crackdown or just a massacre, let's be honest. Uh, in fact I think I've got a picture of this actually. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so I did get that for you. So there's there's the the monument or as it stood, and I say that in the past tense because just recently, that monument was removed. And remember this monument was not in China, obviously, because you know the Chinese government would have gotten rid of that quickly, but no, it was in Hong Kong at the University of Hong Kong. And it has just been removed under cover of darkness. Reporters and uh, individual students and so on who found out what was happening in the middle of the night, this attempt to remove this monument to the fallen, right, uh, were prevented from taking pictures. And it's just, it's kind of uh, shocking, I guess. I mean, this is something that's supposed to commemorate those who were killed at that massacre by the communists, You know, just to go ahead and say it for anybody who isn't really getting this. Yeah. And the thing is that they removed this statue and in Hong Kong, because they're kind of sending a message that there is no Hong Kong anymore. Not in the sense that the people of Hong Kong thought so, right? There is no free area or an area where you can be free of mainland China because that's what was was special about Hong Kong it's really kind of ironic if you look toward the the sort of history as to why Hong Kong was so much freer than regular China it goes back to the Opium Wars um, and the fact that basically Britain won it as um, I I shouldn't say won should I that sounds very British and colonial Um, but in any case the British um, did win the wars and in so doing in winning the Opium Wars they got Hong Kong as as the prize. And because of that, Hong Kong had more freedom than China did. And so they were kind of under British rule with British free speech. That does not sound ridiculous, British free speech. Um, But really, compared to China, they had free speech in Hong Kong because of that. And then, of course, that, uh, that status expired, and it went back to becoming under basically Chinese control, even though the Chinese government said, we're not going to intervene, we're not going to, you know, be all totalitarian, we'll accept that Hong Kong is its own little thing and is different and all of that. And what we have seen, especially in the last couple of years, is a massive crackdown. And I don't know if you recall, but just before COVID was happening, or just before COVID appeared, uh, you had massive protests in Hong Kong huge protests were happening in in hong kong as the people over there were revolting and rioting because of the passage of some laws in hong kong that would basically give china massive power over hong kong which previously was not the case right and those those protests stopped or should i say were stopped uh, as soon as this very convenient virus showed up and using the kind of cover of that virus, the Chinese government moved in and became brutal with the protesters in Hong Kong, took away their rights and said they were doing so for everybody's benefit because there's a virus, don't you know? So you, you can't fight the totalitarian government because there's a virus and that's what happened. And so those, those protests were quelled, they were stopped, a massive amount of force was used by the Chinese government, on the Hong Kong people, and it was all totally okay because virus. And now they're at the point, a couple of years later, where they're removing the monuments to the dead of, you know, the, the Tiananmen Square massacre. I mean, that's how quickly things happened. And it, apparently, the, the university itself told Sky News that it removed the, the monument based on external legal advice that's what it's that's what it's called, right? When someone the Chinese government calls your university and is like, uh, okay, we're going to have to fix this, you know, we're going to have to fix that monument and get rid of it. That's that's, that's the situation and it's it's a, it's appalling. Most of the people who I think look at this story though are ignoring the parallels that ought to be pretty obvious at this point. See, we ought to say, well, okay, so you've got the Chinese government that is removing monuments. Why? Because they want people to forget their own history. Why are we removing monuments, right? Why are we in the United States removing civil war monuments, monuments to you know, the founders of America, because they did some things that some people didn't like and some people now find them offensive? Well, you know, the Chinese government finds that monument offensive. That's where this goes. It's all about sort of re-engineering society on the basis of what people forget. And then telling them to remember other things, right? So you kind of create a culture based upon a lack of knowledge. And that's what's going on in China. And sadly enough, and it pains me to say, that's what ha- This is what's happening here too. Um, and it, it's, I, I, I hate it when I can draw such obvious parallels between us and a country that is so obviously unfree. But if you don't point them out, if we don't talk about these things, then we fail to, to, to see the direction that we're going. And there really is a pattern here. This is something that is absolutely intentional because you can't keep a people imprisoned and impoverished and without rights and without freedoms if they know where they've come from, if they know the value of those freedoms, if they know who died to defend them, right? And that's where we are. We're we're in a state where the government and a lot of a lot of totalitarian people want us to forget about those who fought before. Okay, top secret. Bear says so they can replace them with pro-communist and LGBTQ plus ones, of course. Tearing down history to rebuild it, right? And in fact, we I think I covered that last week was that uh, in a certain. I think it was a General Lee statue was removed, and they were putting crap there, like Black Lives Matter monuments and crap like that, in, in place of it because that's that's the the new society that we're you know reemerging and all this stuff. It's like no, no, we we don't want their reengineered society, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. But I think it's it, it's almost like well, at least they're honest, you know, that they're entirely trying to change the history. And by the way. Since we're talking about the change of history and the rewriting of history, it only seems appropriate that here on January 6th, 2022, as it is right now, if you're watching this live, um, that we talk about January 6th, 2021, because it's only been a year, but it's, it was a long one, right? And we've had politicians and garbage pundits pontificating all day long about January 6th and their sort of remaking of what it actually was. And we've also had vigils that have been held in Washington, D.C. without actual cause, like these kind of uh, lame vigils for democracy by leftists. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And the thing is, if you're going to hold a vigil, the only vigil you should be holding on January 6th is for Ashley Babbitt, the person who was murdered on January 6th, right, she was the woman who was shot whilst unarmed in the Capitol building, who didn't present a threat, and who whose perpetrator still has not been charged and will not be charged. You know, so every time that we hear about some overuse of force story that's kind of like splashed around the country as if everybody ought to riot, I think about Ashley Babbitt And how with that obvious overuse of force, nothing was done. In fact, her shooter was put on TV to have his own little hour of fame, as if he's some kind of a hero. And in fact, he considers himself such. Ashley Babbitt's mother today did show up on January 6th, you know, today, as I said, uh, supporting the prisoners, the political prisoners who are held in Washington, D.C. still, who've had their freedoms taken from them, for walking through a public building, most of them just holding flags, right? These people are losing their businesses, they're losing their homes because they can't earn a living, they're losing their lives, they have been abused and tortured uh, in, in prison or in jail, and few people are willing to speak up for them. It's absolutely wrong. I mean, I talk about them, it seems like, constantly, and that's the way that we should be doing it, because they're still being held. And again, most of the people who are being held did not assault anybody. I can't say that enough times. They didn't. That's not why they're being held. Most of the people are actually being held because they have some connection to some group that the government doesn't like, like the Proud Boys or 3%ers or something like that. That's not how we're supposed to work in America. That Oh, they're connected to some group that is in opposition to the President of the United States, to the current political Oligarchy—that—that's how we're dealing with prisoners. That's not how it's supposed to work, but that is exactly how it's working. And even the left and the media—they'll celebrate that's how it's working, but they'll state that that is in fact how it's working. But there are other things that aren't being talked about right now. We still don't have a a a real tell on what happened to Roseanne Boyland, right? Because there are two competing stories there. Like, did. Did she actually die of a drug overdose, which was the official story, or was she trampled, beaten to death, and exposed to various gases? Uh, There's a lot of kind of confusion on that, and it's been a year, so we ought to have straight answers at this point. We still don't know anything about that pipe bomber story, and there are cameras all over DC, so why don't we have answers? Most likely for the same reason that Ray Epps still hasn't been charged. He's the only person who the day before was yelling about how he wanted to take over the Capitol, right? And telling people to go and assault the building. He was the person doing that. And he's the person who was on the FBI's most wanted list for, you know, a very short period of time, then removed and not charged. Which would likely indicate that he's actually a Fed. But we still don't have the story on that either. We know there were FBI agents on the ground who were encouraging the very things that were then blown up as if it was the norm, right? The norm was you had a couple of broken windows, and mostly people walked in with flags and waved them around and took selfies of themselves. That was what most people did, in fact. Um yeah, and then oh and then I've also seen like attempts to smear Ashley Babbitt today because she was hopelessly misinformed in all this crap. It's like because she followed Q- QAnon. Like, I don't care that she followed QAnon. I didn't, but I don't care that she did. I mean, the only reason that I held something against QAnon was because I didn't like the whole trust the plan mantra. I thought it was destructive. I thought people shouldn't trust a plan. They should trust that the fact there's no plan, that they have to do something and they have to act and they have to get organized and they have to, you know, build up communities because things aren't going to get better. They're going to get worse. Um, not just trust that there is some plan that, you know, the man at the top is, is working behind the scenes and everything will be fine if we just sit back and hope. Um, but the QAnon thing, one of the biggest parts of that was the fact that there's a, a massive pedophile network amongst the elites. And I don't think that's a conspiracy theory, And that's pretty obvious and of course as it comes to the Epstein case it's become even more obvious including that those people are not going to get charged we're just supposed to be happy that Ghislaine Maxwell um, actually got convicted and then we're just gonna like pretend like that means that we have some kind of justice even as literally hundreds of different high-profile figures went to Epstein's so-called Lolita Island um with underage girls and we're just supposed to look the other way and say yeah we got justice sure we did sure we did you know Ted Cruz today once again described the January 6th protest as a violent terrorist attack that's not the first time he's done it a lot of uh people including you in the um in the chat were kind of outraged at that I see and I don't blame you you should be but this isn't the first time he's done it Just in the days after the January 6th protest, Ted Cruz said, and I quote, we saw a terrorist attack on the United States Capitol. It was despicable. It was an assault on the citadel of democracy, unquote. The citadel of democracy. Mm -hmm. He and others went on to describe that place like some kind of holy land, as opposed to something more akin to a brothel where unholy alliances are made and where, you know, gestures of underhanded money for for laws are passed. I mean, let's be honest here. The citadel of democracy. I mean, it's it's outrageous. You know what the founding fathers would have said about the fact that some protesters walked into the Capitol that have said, why were the doors locked? That's what they'd have said citadel of democracy. If it's the citadel of democracy, why can't the people come in? If you if you think it's a democracy, then the people should be welcome, Ted Cruz. That's what a democracy is. Not that we have one, we have a republic, or supposedly we have a republic, but if it's a democracy and if that's the citadel, then why aren't the people allowed in? And by the way, thereafter, after he described those people as terrorists, then... He went on Twitter and took aim at some leftist for referring to it as an insurrection. He just referred to them as terrorists. So it seems more like, um, his thing is just simply saying whatever the people want to hear in whichever platform he's appearing. So if he appears with his, you know, other politicians, alongside them he's going to talk about the terrorists and the citadel of democracy and how that holy sanctum was violated but if he's on twitter and his, his re- regular people are going to see it then it's really not an insurrection and not that big of a deal it's like pick a side you know at that point he's just being a a very typical politician and yeah there's a reason that trump called him lying ted because he was so inconsistent that at least half the time he had to be lying And that's the sort of thing that we've forgotten because I think people are so horrified by how politicians lie constantly that they they found one that says a few things that they like and they're like, okay, that's my guy, there's one, there's hope. Right? That's what we do. It's kind of like inherent in the human condition. We're like, okay, there's a good one. I found him. There's hope. I'll just kind of put all of my hope in this one guy and everything will be fine. It's like, no, sadly, no. We're not just one election away from everything being fixed. I mean, I wish that were the case, but it's just not. Uh, Ron Bow says the velvet ropes weren't even disturbed in the san- in the sanctuary room at the Capitol. Some insurrection? Well, I mean, this was a if this was an insurrection, you have to remember how many people were there. All right, it's often lost on the on the kind of like zoomed in pictures of the few people in the Capitol. But you go back to the um, ellipse and you look and there's like a million people there. Because you know, Trump was I think like three or four times he tweeted telling people to come on January 6th. And that was really unusual for him. He didn't actually like, promote individual rallies very hard. And when he did it was like one tweet. And he was like, you know, come on down and it will be... Um, did he say epic? I can't remember the word that he used. Wild. That was it. That it'll be wild. And, and it was. I guess he didn't disappoint in that front, right? Um, and So everybody came, and that was like a million people. It was an amazing crowd. Seriously, it was it was huge over at the Ellipse. And then probably 100,000 of them, maybe two, walked over to the Capitol on Trump's instruction because he, he said he was going to go to the Capitol as well uh, to protest there. And... So, if those people, those 100,000 or 200,000, had decided that they wanted to take it over or burn it down or whatever, they could have. Just wasn't what they wanted to do, because it wasn't actually an insurrection. Um, If Trump wanted to take over, he could have dropped them guns. You know, these people who are like, well, Trump was leading this insurrection. It's like he was president of the United States. He could have armed the crowd if he'd have wanted to. You know, (laughs) he had options, let's be real. Uh, It wasn't an insurrection. It it could have been, it wasn't. Those people weren't armed. They just had flags of the country that they supported, right? But anyway, it's it's just... It gets to a point where there are just so many kind of, I don't know, overlapping lies then it's that it's somewhat frustrating. It's, you know, I guess you stay on Ted Cruz for too long and you kind of get that way. Oh, and by the way, we were mentioning uh, Gillian Maxwell a second ago, and I say we, I mean I... Um, Apparently, she may actually get a new trial, um, which is um, maddening. One of the jurors told a news agency that he was the victim of child sexual assault and that he used his story to sway the other jurors who were going to uh, not convict her. And in light of his testimony, of his experience, and how that led to memory problems, he convinced the others to vote. And the thing is that they were all asked beforehand if they had any sort of background in this area, on this topic. Do they have they experienced sexual assault themselves and would it affect their ability to be impartial? Apparently he said no. And then here we are. So there may actually be a new trial because of it. But again, I mean, that's just going to kind of drag the whole thing out over again and distract away from the fact that we should be having other trials, right? It's a big distraction away from the men who actually raped these young girls. And that's the way that I see it. It's like we can go around over and over again on gillian Maxwell. And yeah, I believe she was complicit in it in a lot. But what about the men who actually raped these young girls? They're just being... Ignored and these are men who are powerful and that was the that was the the best part of the QAnon movement was they were kind of drawing attention to that <coughs> Excuse me um, The pedophiles want her to go free hard to kill her after Epstein well, they don't want to be named but I kind of get the impression that after the uh, FBI went over to the island right and then they, they lost the evidence, so they lost some of the evidence. This is seriously like the official story, is that they somehow misplaced some evidence that they picked up from Epstein's island. Uh, I mean, they sh- they should know who was involved, but they lost the evidence. So who knows what they think they know and what they don't think they know at this point? Because it's just... Um, like When the official story is so difficult to believe as that, well, it kind of cements my belief that the entire justice system is basically a farce at this point that there are two tiers one for normal people and one for well the the so-called elite class or elitist class i guess would be more appropriate um okay uh i was just kind of looking through to see if you guys had comments or questions on that particular thing before i before i go ahead and moved on uh, Zimbo says, the 2006-2008 trial of Maxwell, the Department of Justice gave Epstein a sweetheart deal. Why would they not protect the rich and famous politicians, Hollywood, etc. guys again? Well, yeah. And and for those who don't know, Epstein was charged prior and was found guilty prior. But he was, you know, basically held in <laughs> in his own penthouse and he was looked after. And that's not really an exaggeration. He was in house arrest in the best conditions you can possibly imagine. Because, presumably, he had connections. And that just kind of reminds us all of the very situation. You know, it's like, you come across these stories and it's really difficult to just kind of hold on to that sense of, hey, we've got an equal and fair justice system. It's like, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, Kind of like losing 30,000 emails. Yeah, exactly. Like, Like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But in the words of Hillary Clinton, like, what does it really matter at this point? Remember when she said that in regard to, to Benghazi? What does it really matter at this point? She said that like in front of Congress. because you know. Um, anyway. Okay, um, let's, let's move on a bit. I, a friend of mine sent me some uh, data that I've actually seen before, but I wanted to show it to you guys because this is a topic that comes up a lot. It's, it's the fact that, um, when it comes to suicide rates, which are exploding and have been in the last couple of years but the the group that makes up the highest percentage is that of middle-aged white men, and that runs afoul of basically all of what we're told about racial dynamics in america so like for example if you come over here you can actually see the the suicide rates um, by race white people have a black line if i if i had made the, the graph that's not the way that it would have been but in any case that's what they did so Um, So, white people overall are responsible for most suicides, and again, the highest rate is middle-aged white men, which we're told are the oppressors, and that's why I bring this up, because the official narrative is that the oppressors of society and of all other races in America is done, I mean, they're they're white middle-aged men, or white older men, but. Why would the oppressors be killing themselves at such high rates? It doesn't make sense. And that's why I sort of bring it to your attention. These are the people who, in many ways, have it hardest in our society. I mean, and I mean that because there is a societal pressure on them that they basically don't get any sort of sympathy for hardship because they don't get certain grants as easily they don't get into universities as easily like you know there's actually a lot of different problems that would occur if you were a middle-aged white man, white white man sorry that you would not have to deal with if you were any other demographic and that's manifest in this sort of suicide rates which of course is an indicator of depression and yet this is ignored instead you have you know people especially on the left saying that these are the oppressors and I'm sorry, but the oppressors wouldn't be killing themselves at high rates. It just doesn't make sense. And then you can actually look at uh, antidepressant usage too, which is higher amongst women always than men. But hold on, I've turned that off. And then there we go. Uh, and so you can see, you know, non Hispanic white, as they now call it, so we're just going to say white, is the, is the dark blue. And you can see that the rate of antidepressant usage as well. Is highest amongst white people so again the reason I'm drawing this to your attention and I, I think I might have brought it up years ago I it's been a while um, but this is something that I think it, it kind of shows in a very like data centric way what's really going on and who are kind of suffering in, in our society and again it's not who we're told it is Okay, so, yeah, I, I just kind of, it's like, when, when it's just kind of so counter to what we're told, it's like if white people really had the power privilege and supremacy, then they wouldn't suffer from such high rates of depression and suicide. They wouldn't. It doesn't make sense. And yet, um, that's the situation. Okay, let's talk Australia. Because Australia has been losing its mind for some time. But it's really kind of been stepping it up recently, you know, as if as if they just can't quite do it enough most especially um northern australia which is one of the names of their actual areas not actually the northern well it is but you know actually call the region northern australia is preventing the unvaccinated from leaving their homes even for work and that is i guess you could say the next generation of these lockdowns it goes with the dehumanization of the unvaccinated people all right so I'm gonna go ahead and show you. Actually, I got a video that we're gonna go across together because this is an actual official announcement, right? So here we go.
1: I will now go through each of these decisions. First, the lockout. The fully vaccinated can continue as they were. For people who are not vaccinated, lockdown rules will apply to everyone 16 and above. If you are not fully vaxed, stay home. You are at greater risk of catching COVID becoming ill, and needing hospital care.
0: See, it's all for you, right? It's not for them. It's not because they're tyrants. It's totally for your benefit. That's the way they're actually, like, putting this, as if they're helping you by taking away your freedoms.
1: You may only leave home for three reasons. Medical treatment, including COVID testing or vaccination.
0: So they'll let you leave so that you can comply. That's number one, right? Right. They'll let you leave long enough to comply with their dictates. You can do that anytime.
1: For essential goods and services like groceries, power tokens, medications. To provide care and support to a family member or person who cannot support themselves. You cannot travel more than 30 kilometers from your home when leaving for one of the three reasons.
0: Okay, so if you have this this person, this family member who cannot take care of themselves, remember that was number three, you can't go more than 30 kilometers away so you you have to you have to be okay with with that just let the person just kind of suffer because they've got this government rule i mean it's just so evil haven't heard anything about exercise nothing about
1: work or the nearest practical destination if you need to go to the hospital and it's more than 30 kilometers from your home that's okay the only three reasons Sorry, there are only three reasons to leave the home now, not five. Work is not a reason to leave the home for the unvaccinated. The Chief Health Officer has also determined that restriction of movement is critical right now and that one hour of exercise for the next four days is not essential.
0: Yes, they've decided that exercise is not essential and your work is not essential. So you are basically a prisoner because you know what else isn't essential your rights your rights aren't essential They have they have determined. Okay. I think that's enough of that, but um, I Mean that's kind of the most aggressive that we've seen At this point. I believe (laughs) this outright statement that basically for your health You don't need to exercise right for your health. You should be isolated and alone and in your home a while deaths of despair are peaking right because i mean that's the case when you're talking about like covid related uh lockdowns and so on you can see that suicides and drug overdoses both of which are deaths of despair are at massive high levels in fact in this country in the united states you had the cdc director at one point say that we need to stop locking down schools and closing down schools because kids are killing themselves at massive rates, and it's far greater than what was happening from COVID, obviously. And again, that's the CDC director, not me saying it, you know, to anybody watching this stream. Um, But no, seriously, that, that was what the CDC director said. And it's like, you look at what's going on in Australia and you wonder, at what point are the numbers gonna come out when we see just how many people were unable to sort of live in these conditions? And of course, Australia has been a place where there have, to the credit of the Australian people, been some real protests that have been happening. I would say not enough, considering just how totalitarian the area has been. But there have been some people, right, who have been speaking out en masse, um, showing up at memorials and so on. Remember, you, you may remember that uh, there was a lot of like leftists and a few um, cowardly right wingers who were uh, upset and angry about all of that, about the the fact they showed up at at a memorial for the fallen uh, soldiers and they held their own little vigil there. But it's like, yeah, it's all about fighting for freedom. That's kind of the point. Anyway, it seems like Australia is like, once a penal colony, always a penal colony. You know, that's kind of like, that's their new thing, it would seem. Uh, But then, then they don't seem to really have... I mean, it sounds hypocritical, given the state of the United States right now. Um, and So perhaps it is a little bit. But it does seem like in Australia, there is no limit. Like, it's not even going particularly slowly. There is no limit to which freedoms they're going to take away. Because at this point, they're literally saying, you don't have to exercise. You don't have that right. You don't get an hour a day. You know, it's like, it's worse than if you were actually in prison and being held it 's actually worse than that because then you could actually you know get some interaction with other people in a in a regular prison and you get you out for you at least an hour a day and all of that because human rights um says that you actually have to you know have some but for human rights reasons, prisoners are supposed to get some degree of exercise some degree of outings, some degree of human interaction these are the decisions that have been made over many decades, but now the regular Australian people who have not violated. Anything, right, who haven't actually committed crimes are, are, are suffering under this. Um, Scribbler says the first step was to remove the guns of the Western countries and now they move in for the kill. Yes, that is one of the earliest things that always happens and not even just in like COVID, you know, but this is something that happens or has happened throughout the last couple of hundred years, right? It, they move in and they take the weapons away and then they roll out their new society which involves killing the people that they scapegoat as the problems and what has been happening throughout the west over the past two years is the scapegoating of the unvaccinated or the non-compliant because let's be honest that's what the non-vaccinated are they're people who refuse to comply that's why it angers them so much because these are people who said actually no i don't trust you and more importantly it's my body (laughs) And it's not yours, and I don't accept the fact that the government should have all power over my body, because I think there should be some restrictions, some limits, as to how much I trust that central body that just a few years ago just about everybody said they didn't trust, and now they do. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to get too carried away down down that line of thought, but you see what I'm saying here. Um. E-I-M-B, there are not enough derogatory words in all languages known to describe the contempt I have for that evil man. And when you put an evil man in a position of massive power, and everybody around him supports his power, what are the limits to that? I mean, because you look at like the 20th century and see what, where that goes. Um, and now we're looking now, and we see the problem. Um... Soon, eating will be a privilege at this rate. Well, yeah. And as you look around, you certainly see that with restaurants. I don't think yet they've they've cut off uh, grocery stores, but why wouldn't they? You know, pretty soon I'm sure it'll be delivery only. And yeah, I hear you guys talking about uh, Novak Djokovic, right? He's the top tennis champion uh, from Serbia who went over to Australia, and they decided to hold him as a political prisoner uh, because he has a medical exemption to the vaccine and they didn't accept it but yet they let him travel over there and didn't just deport him right away but instead decided to hold him in imprisonment and as far as i can tell they have him still held in imprisonment at the time of this show so it's that's unbelievable because it's like they're holding a a person from a foreign country in violation of the request of the president of that country of serbia and Uh, They're perfectly okay with it and just kind of using him or attempting to use him to send some kind of Message to people who I guess want their freedoms Uh, and the, the the competition that he was supposed to play a part in accepted his exemption and So he got he got over there, you know got on the plane went over there expecting no problems And then after he got there. They're like no you're gonna be held and in prison they took him they took his possessions and held him in detention. And his father said that he is still being held at this point. I mean that's he's a political he's a foreign political prisoner at that point. That's uh stepping it up. And there's at least a a movement to free him, which is more than can be said for most of the Australians who are being held. Scribbler says they own all the food supply. Now they're setting us up to starve. We need to protect the farmers, but so few understand that. Well, yeah. And I do think that a lot of people, um, I do think it's a good idea to prep to some degree. Uh, I mean, things are just kind of um, deteriorating, especially in the sort of establishment of a second-class society. Oh, a second-class citizenry. Right? I mean, it was just recently that uh, Macron, right, of France, uh described the unvaccinated as what was it non-citizens they're not citizens i mean <laughs> that's all we've been talking about for weeks like for, for weeks we've been talking about how they're sort of dehumanizing the people who refuse to to comply they're dehumanizing the unvaccinated and using them as the scapegoats of society and macron just came out and he was like we have to tell this is a quote we have to tell them from 15th of January, you will no longer be able to go to the restaurant. You will no longer be able to go for a coffee. You will no longer be able to go to the theater. You will no longer be able to go to the cinema. When my freedoms threaten those of others, I become someone irresponsible. Someone irresponsible is not a citizen, unquote. That's what he said. They're not a citizen. In other words, they have no rights. That's, that's one heck of a way of dehumanizing um, his people right he also said that he wanted to quote piss off unquote the unvaccinated by gradually taking away their rights these were all things that that he actually came out and spelled out and this was you know the leader of the country an elected man allegedly right and i mean it's like uh, it feels so redundant to 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 reiterate repeatedly That we're at a point where it's like uh people ought to look back in history and say it's really bad when a government comes out says you know your problems they're all the fault of this one group of people the unvaccinated let's say and see it's it's the unvaccinated fault it's their fault that you have no freedoms And of course, it's actually the government's fault, because it's the government that's making these edicts that are taking away the freedoms. But you you blame everything on that one group of people. And then over time, you you move to the point where everybody's mad at this one group. And then you dehumanize them and say they're not actually people at all. And if we just got rid of them, then society would work and society would be grand. Well, here we are. They're not citizens. Well, What are you going to do with non-citizens? What do you do with non-people? Right? They're not his people. They are his responsibility, so why does it matter if they get access to food? Why does it matter if they're held against their will, having not committed a crime, but rather because they wanted the free ability to make their own medical decisions? All right? Um, uh, yeah, you guys do have a, a good point, actually, about the uh, the coming takeover of the food supply when it comes to people like Bill Gates who are buying up massive amounts of land. That That is disturbing and is not given as much attention as ought to be given to it. That is that is absolutely true. And you look at what those people are buying and yeah, it's it's land. Lots of it. Uh, oh, and, and on the same topic, by the way, Yale University just forbidden students from visiting local restaurants. Now remember, <laughs> at Yale University, you have to be vaccinated and boosted. So you have to be like fully vaccinated. This is this new, new phrase they've come up with. So it's not just vaccinated anymore. You have to be fully vaccinated, so you have to be up-to-date on everything that they want you to be up-to-date on. And they're already like that, like that all students of Yale. But that's not enough. Then you have to go, and you have to quarantine in the residence, <laughs> await your test, and not visit restaurants um, off campus because, you know, quarantine. And these are for... Uh, these, you know, healthy college students, the students may not visit New Haven businesses or eat at local restaurants, even outdoors until health conditions improve, like, you know, like until, until this whole thing is over. Yeah. Good luck with that. Okay. Uh, on a different topic, cause I've been talking about this for a while. Um, I did see a, a headline over at Breitbart earlier about how 400 Church of England churches have closed in the last decade. And I thought that was interesting because it's like, well, they deserve to. Um, like when you look at this, the state of the Church of England, otherwise known as the Anglican Church, it's awful. And you have all these different high-profile figures in there who are constantly you know, welcoming the immigrants and how we should learn their ways, which when you look at a church, a church shouldn't be telling you to learn the ways of some foreign people. They should be telling you, you know, about the the values that it imbues, that it teaches you, right? Not let's take some values of some heathens from the other part of the world. No, that's not the job of a church. And a church, by the way, if it's going to actually be a church, is not supposed to bend to the whims of the day. It's not supposed to, you know, grab whatever's popular. Not supposed to be like, well... It's difficult to speak against homosexuality in this society that is so fallen and so corrupt. So we're just going to kind of embrace it and let's do gay marriage here. And, you know, let's just say that everything's fine. It's all good. That's not a church. It's not, it's a political movement. Cause political movements do that, right? They adjust to the people who vote for them. A church is supposed to provide grounding and stability as the world around you goes mad, you're supposed to be able to look toward the church and see that it hasn't changed in 2000 years. It's still pushing exactly the same stuff that it always did and that's a good thing because the values that were inherent then are correct now. That's what a church is supposed to be and supposed to promote and if it doesn't do that, it's not a church and it's useless to the people that it's supposed to serve, right? so when you hear about these church of england churches going down it's like well were they churches at all to begin with i don't think so and as you've seen like throughout the united states a lot of the churches that have died are the churches that have gone wokest because people don't need that people don't need to you know go to the church to find whatever they could find at their local drag queen story hour that's not what they need and by the way some drag queen story hours have been held inside of what formally associate themselves to be churches okay um yeah so it's just been something that's been kind of driving me crazy all right and i'm gonna wrap this up soon like i said i am gonna keep this show um shorter than the normal because it's just been one heck of a day for me so i appreciate your your patience and grace with that but, um, oh, I do want to tell you, though, the, the Daily Record, a Scottish newspaper, just put out this, um, this poll on their Facebook page, and it's like, question, like an open question, like it's like perfectly normal, perfectly serious, and they're like, should Scotland introduce COVID internment camps? That was the question. Like, it was just like, why wouldn't you ask that? You know, is there something inherently wrong with that question? It's like, that's not a normal question to ask the readership. that shows you something about the sort of collective consciousness there that increasingly that's not seen as a question that is horrific and really it should be everyone should be kind of uh, you know horrified by that thought but that's the way that we're going I mean if you look at Australia right right, and the way they're doing their camps it's like uh, they're kind of rolling out camps to some degree and that's going to increase over time. In fact, and I'm not, I'm not just the one saying that like some kind of, you know, conspirator or conspiracy theorist, but rather that's what the Australian government has been saying, that they they are going to need more camps for those who have not yet had the vaccine or who, for those who have not yet been exposed to the vaccine, exactly what that means. We don't really know, or do we, right? And now in Scotland, you've currently got COVID restrictions there that throughout the holidays saw uh nightclubs and pubs and so on being closed down for weeks and people were urged to avoid seeing their loved ones over Christmas. So a lot of the people from Scotland actually traveled back into England to celebrate the holidays because in some bizarre stroke of irony uh, England presented some bastion of freedom (laughs) Which you know that says something when your country is bad enough that you that you you know have to go to England for freedom but in any case that that is the way that, that it went down by the way. Oh, uh, I am going to release a small video for you that I think you'll really enjoy, uh, on, I'm going to go ahead and give the date. It'll be uh Friday, the 7th. So that's tomorrow. If you're watching this live, it might be today. If you're watching this, um, as a, an after recording. So, but I, I do think you'll really enjoy. I, I I've curated the, the biggest lies of 2021 into a video and I'm going to show you that. So keep an eye out for that, okay? Because I think, I think you'll, you'll kind of get a kick out of it. I, I certainly did uh, in creating it. So thank you guys for joining me tonight. Like I said, I know that it was a little bit more hodgepodge than normal because one of those days. And yet uh, I didn't want to join you because I, I hate cancelling at the last minute. It's just not who I am. So thank you so much, though. And I will do this again next week. So I will see you. Uh, next Thursday, if not sooner. I'll try to put out some videos in the meantime. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider helping to support it. You can give a one-time donation or buy a branded mug at thecrusadergal.com or you can donate monthly by searching for my name, Sarah Courier at Subscribestar. Thank you so much. I couldn't do this without your support. And whether you can help financially or not, don't forget to tell your friends. Big tech isn't going to help me spread the word. Thank you.